Thanks, Luke. All right, let's get into our Bible study, Matthew chapter 8. I do have just one quick announcement. I don't want to labor with announcements because I know it's hot and uh, and uh, I don't want you out there too long. I was out there a little bit and it is already starting to get warm. But the VBS uh, home kits are available and uh, you can talk to Barbara there at the table or Angie and they will give you all the information on that so you can do Vacation Bible School at home. Also, just be in prayer. Uh, next month sometime we're going to be bringing things inside uh, towards the end of August uh, we'll stop the outdoor services and we'll do inside and 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 try to get the children's ministry going back up and I just want to say thank you parents for you who have brought your kids I know it hasn't been easy uh, it's been difficult and um, but uh, you know the Lord has worked uh, while we've been at stay at home while we're doing the outdoor services but we're going to be planning, we're going to be praying, we're going to be, uh, you know, looking at how we can have the kids back safely sometime towards the end of next month. Uh, and uh, we'll let you know as soon as that happens. In the meantime, continue to be in prayer. Thank you for your support and for your encouragement and for your prayers. I really appreciate it. When August starts, it's going to really start getting, it's always busy around here, even during this time. But I'll be teaching a, a class, online class at Calvary Bible Institute, uh, continuing to do Calvary Live Radio Monday and Tuesdays, the live call-in show. Please keep me in prayer and all that and the preparation and uh, doing some uh, writing and things like that uh, that I'm very excited about. I am more convinced ever than ever before that uh, we need the Word of God and the Word of God needs to go forth and the Word of God needs to be planted in our hearts, especially in the day in which we are in. So we're looking forward. We'll announce those things as we get towards the end of July into the beginning of August where we're headed with all those things. But we are praying. We ask that you pray with us. Matthew chapter 8, Father, we do ask that you bless this time in the study of your Word. We thank you that we can be here. I thank you for your people coming that uh, are willing to sit out in the sun, in the heat, and hear your word. And Lord, it blesses me uh, because I've been in different parts of the world where people walked for miles and they came when it was hot. And, and Lord, it just shows me the importance of fellowship and the determination of your people in being in fellowship and hearing the word and the importance of us coming together because we need that more than ever. And Lord, bless this time the study of your word. May we be encouraged, attentive in every way. In Jesus' name. Amen. And so where we've traveled in Matthew's gospel is we're going to pick it up at verse 5 of Matthew chapter 8. Is Jesus, uh, as he is preaching to his disciples, given that teaching called the Sermon on the Mount that covers all of chapters 5, 6, and 7, we also know uh, that the Lord uh, would, at the end of that, have the people uh, as the multitudes are pouring into the Galilee region, and they are coming in... Um, by the thousands, uh, tens of thousands of people on any given day, pressing in on Jesus as he is ministering. And at the end of that sermon, he taught us one, have an authority, not like the scribes and the Pharisees. So the people are marveling at his teaching. Matter of fact, Mark's gospel tells us that the common people heard him gladly. In other words, he spoke with truth and with grace, as John's gospel declares to us, the perfect balance of grace and truth. And he comes down from the mountain. And last week we saw that as he's coming into those, those cities of Capernaum and Bethsaida and Chorazin, 
that people continue to press in on him. And there was this man that had leprosy, Luke's gospel tells us full of leprosy, that came to him and said, Lord, if you're willing, as Matthew records that he worshiped the Lord, uh, we know that Luke tells us he fell on his knees and he said, if you're willing, cleanse me. And Jesus in his love and his compassion would reach out and touch that man with his loving hands. Those same hands that he would allow spikes to be driven through to prove his love for you and for me so that we can be cleansed cleanse of sin and of course leprosy as we talked about Leviticus chapters 13 and 14 uh, that it speaks of sin how there's small beginnings and it begins to spread and eventually it will bring death to us because the wages of sin is death but Jesus brings life and as he cleansed that man immediately he was cleansed of that leprosy that we know from the gospel accounts he was full of leprosy in an extreme case and then he would present himself to the priests and Jerusalem and bring the offerings prescribed in Leviticus chapter 14. We're going to see and continue to see in this chapter that Jesus is demonstrating great power as we now see in reading in verse 5 that Jesus had entered Capernaum. A centurion came to him pleading with him. Now, Capernaum was called in the Gospels the town of Jesus, nestled on the north shores of the Sea of Galilee. You can go there today and see the ruins. Some of you who have been with us in, in our tour of Israel, we go to Capernaum and we spend some time there and we go to the, the synagogue that is there. We go and, and we just imagine what it was like as people were pressing into Jesus. Um, it was a busy place. There was what was believed to be a rock uh, um, dock that was there that had all these fishing boats because the fishing was very good at the north side of the Sea of Galilee and, and fishermen were coming in and leaving and uh, the town was bustling and this time as there were a number of villages in the north part of the Sea of Galilee uh, it's a beautiful place and we know that it's busy uh, there's a major Roman road that you can go and see the remains of it that people traveled uh, from the Jordan Valley up through past uh, the Sea of Galilee, Capernaum, and then on up into Europe, into Asia. But as you sit there, a very beautiful place, here is Jesus there. He spent more time there than any other place on earth. And that's where Peter is from, as we're going to see as we continue. And as he enters Capernaum, a centurion comes to Jesus, and this centurion is pleading with him. And what we're going to see is that this man, this centurion, comes with sensitivity, he comes with humility, and he comes and displays great faith. Now, centurions were ones uh, that were in the Roman army. They were over a hundred men. Uh, they were the backbone of the Roman army. They were brave men. They were very tough men. They were very dedicated to the Roman army. Usually, if you were a centurion, you had to serve for at least 25 years or for the rest of your life. And so this centurion, this, this one that's known to, to be uh, hard, that's tough, that's uh, overseeing 100 men, keep in mind that the people of Israel despise the Roman army. They despise the, the centurions and the soldiers. But this one is seen in a positive light. And what is interesting, when you study the scriptures, 
Four times centurions are mentioned. Do you know that? And then each time, twice in the Gospels, and then twice in the book of Acts, those centurions are always mentioned in a positive light. We have this centurion here, as we're going to see, mentioned in a positive light, as Jesus is going to marvel at his faith. We have the centurion at, at the cross of Jesus that would say that truly this is the Son of God as he watched Jesus dying on that cross. You have the centurion Cornelius in Caesarea that was a man uh, 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 that believed God. He prayed, and Peter gave the gospel to him, a fuller revelation of God, and that's where the gospel would begin with the Gentiles there in Caesarea with Cornelius, that centurion and his family. And then at the end of the book of Acts, we have another centurion that befriended Paul as he made his way to Rome as he had appealed to Caesar in that story there towards the end of the book of Acts. So they're always seen in a positive light. And this centurion makes not only a request of Jesus, but he makes a plea. And why does he do that? Well, verse 6, as we continue reading, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. As we compare Matthew's account of this story to Luke's account, this one, this centurion, as I mentioned, is mentioned in a good light. With the people of Israel, he is mentioned with a good light as well. And that would be very unusual. This is a special individual. He had been good to the Jews. We know from Luke chapter 7, it tells us that he built them a synagogue, which would be very unusual. He was a very sensitive man. He was a very caring man. And it would be uh, unusual. Not only did he care about the Jews and building them a synagogue, but he cared about his servant. And Luke tells us that his servant was dear to him, which has the meaning of that this servant was like a family member, like uh, a son to him. And this is a special, loving, compassionate man living in the midst of a people that despised the Romans. And as we read in verse 7, Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now again, Luke's gospel gives us some insight into this story, into this passage. We know that this centurion had heard about Jesus, and this centurion uh, sent out a delegation of Jewish elders to talk to Jesus on his behalf. And as we read this, and as he says, I'm not worthy for you to be under my roof, not only is he very humble, but I believe that this centurion, when you really consider it, was being sensitive to Jesus as well. He was obviously familiar with the Jewish culture, with some of the laws, um, some of their um, dealings, and, and we know with him building them a synagogue, it was a blessing to the Jews, but he also would know that having a Jew come under his roof was not a good thing. It wouldn't be good for Jesus. It was not customary for that to happen. That's just the way it was in that culture. So I think he's being sensitive. He's being humble. I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. So what he does is he sends this Jewish delegation. I'll send some of the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders, to go talk to Jesus who 
who's a, a Jew, uh, this itinerant preacher from Nazareth to speak on my behalf. And, and that's what happens. And as they said to Jesus, that this, this Jewish delegation, he's been good to us, this centurion. He's built us a synagogue. He is worthy of this help from you, Jesus. And so Jesus went with these elders to his house, which I find to be very fascinating, that Jesus would be willing just to go to his house. And when they were close to the house, the, the centurion sent friends then to say to him, saying, Lord, don't trouble yourself. For I'm not worthy that you should enter in under my roof. Interesting because this delegation of Jewish elders that came to Jesus said, He is worthy. But the centurion said, I am not worthy. Therefore, I didn't even think myself to be worthy to come to you. That's why I sent this delegation to you to seek blessing and help. I am not worthy. And not only is this centurion displaying great humility, but he is also displaying, as we just read, great faith. He says, I'm not worthy, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. He knew that Jesus had authority over sickness and over death. I am a man of authority. I oversee a hundred Roman soldiers. I am one that has servants in my home. And when those soldiers, that servant, when they are told to do something, they do it. I just give the command, I speak the word, and I know that you, Jesus, that you are a man of power and authority that comes from God. I'm sure that this centurion had been hearing about Jesus' ministry and seeing the multitudes come crowding into the Galilee region, how he's healing them of every kind of sickness and disease. He's cleansing those with, with leprosy. He's uh, healing those of every kind of sickness and disease is what the gospel accounts tell us. He is freeing the demoniacs. He had heard about that. So he knows that this one is from God. And all you need to do is speak the word. Verse 10, when Jesus heard it, he marveled, notice that, and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. So this man's understanding of spiritual authority made Jesus marvel. Now, I got to be honest, I don't think I've ever made Jesus marvel about much of anything, you know, with me up and down and, and tossed to and fro and wavering in my faith. I, I want to be able to say, Lord, did, have I ever marveled you at any time in my life? But this man did. This man's faith made Jesus marvel. This centurion is one of two, first of all, that Jesus commended their faith concerning their faith. The other, as many of you know, is a Gentile woman that we're going to read about when we get to Matthew chapter 15. And it's interesting, think about this, because this centurion, that Gentile woman uh, that we're going to read about, they didn't have the stories, they didn't have the oracles, they didn't have the law, they didn't have the prophecies, they didn't have the heritage, they didn't have the history. But somehow they just had the simple belief in Jesus' authority. And Jesus marveled at this man's faith. He commended his faith. He commended the woman in Matthew chapter 15 whose daughter was demonized. And, and this one 
who's going to have a servant healed. Now, two times specifically, the Gospels tell us that he marveled. Of course, here in Matthew chapter 8, concerning the faith of the centurion. But the other time that the gospel writers are inspired by the Holy Spirit to use that word marveled is in Mark chapter 6, that he marveled at the people of Nazareth in their unbelief. For they didn't believe, and he marveled at that. And as I think about that, it's true perhaps even today in that this centurion, the simple faith that he had, he didn't have, you know, the, the history, the prophecies, all of that, but he's watching Jesus. He had probably heard Jesus, and as the people are coming in, uh, maybe there's extra soldiers coming in, and they're watching, and, and they're making sure that there isn't this uprising. Uh, no doubt this man heard Jesus, and somehow he has the simple faith that this man is from God. And the people of Nazareth, they said, we know your father, you know, your more accurately stepdad. But they, they said, we know your, your mom, we know your dad, we know your sisters, your brothers, we know your family. You were raised here, and they were ready to throw him off a cliff because of the reading that he did uh, as he read from Isaiah, the prophecies of Messiah, and he said in that synagogue in Nazareth, that today it has been fulfilled in your hearing. And they didn't believe, so Jesus left and then went to Capernaum where he would make uh, Capernaum his headquarters of his earthly ministry. But they should have believed. They should have believed. Today there are those who never read a verse out of the Bible, never went to church, never heard a sermon, never was taught anything by anyone about the things of the Lord. And when they hear the gospel, how they receive Christ, their hearts are touched, they're, they're ministered to, they're born again, they come in faith. It's absolutely amazing. I've seen people come to Christ. I thought there's no way they'll come to Christ. And yet there are others. And this is what breaks my heart that perhaps grew up in the church, that went to Sunday school, that went to youth group, that heard the sermons and, and had the Bible read to them, that they get older and they walk away from the Lord, no longer desiring to follow after Him, or they say they don't believe in Him, and, and I can marvel at that. So here is Jesus marveling at this man's faith. Now, a couple things to note about faith. This is important. People define faith as believing or trusting in someone or something. I'm always amazed at what people will put their trust in, uh, what and who they'll turn to for help. You have the world's trends and philosophy, which is getting more weird and bizarre by the day. You have those who embrace all kinds of things uh, they believe is going to be the answer for their lives to fulfill them to help them with their problems, to, to live after. And we know that Jesus is the answer. And the Word of God gives us the answer. What people believe concerning God, you've talked to people, oh, God is in the trees, or He's in the bushes, or you know, He's an impersonal force, or whatever the case may be. And we know, as Hebrews 11 gives us the definition of faith, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence and confidence of things not seen. In other words, faith is truth believed. 
and the word of God is truth given to us from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. That is so wonderful about us coming together. Why we emphasize teaching the word of God because this is absolute truth given to you. Please don't have anyone snow you or deceive you and saying, well, the Bible really isn't true. Or you can question the Bible. We believe in the infallibility, the inerrancy, the inspiration of God's word that is profitable to give us truth and declare who God is. And so faith is the, the things, the substance or realization of things hoped for when we use that word hope. It's not how we use it. We hope it, we get some rain this week, right? We hope it cools off. Um, but the word hope in the scripture means an absolute certainty, coming expectation. As we as believers, we have the hope of heaven because we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So the faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence and confidence of things not seen. Faith is truth believed, declared by God and his word. And we know that God's word is truth. And again, the centurion realized that there was power in the spoken word of Jesus. He's a centurion. He knows the power of words. Go and his soldiers would go. Do this and they would. And they would carry out whatever the centurion said. And notice that he said in verse 9, For I am also man under authority, and I have men who are under me. I have authority, and because I am under authority... And he looked at Jesus and he says, I know that you have authority because you also are under authority. In other words, you're submitted to your Father in heaven. And because you are under authority, you have authority. Just like I'm under authority with my generals and the emperor. Therefore, I have authority over the hundred that I command. Now, my point is simply this. In this whole area of faith, if you want to exercise authority, you and I must first understand that we are under authority. Not simply for us to go around and start naming it and claiming it and, and whatever it is that we want and live any way that we want and, and think any way that we want concerning the Lord. But I am under the authority of the Lord. I am under the authority of His will. And I am under the authority of the Word of God. To believe in the promises that are given to me in the truth of God's word. And to speak out that which has been given to me by his word. Not just going around and naming and claiming, you know, my homes and my toys and what I want. But rather, what is the word that has been given to me? That I am under authority. I will take the promises of the word and I will believe the word what it is declaring to me, my faith is in him who gives us the word. And I know that his words are true. And I can then exercise authority in the world in which I live. Very important that you and I have got to be in the word of God. That we know truth. That we know the nature and the will of God, the heart of God that we are under the authority of the Lord and His Word, and to speak out with authority the Word that has been placed in your heart. So this centurion understood authority, 
I am also under authority. Just speak the word, and I know that my servant will be healed. And Jesus marveled in verse 11, and I say to you that many will come from the east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the faith of this Gentile causes Jesus to announce that there's going to be Gentiles that are going to come into the kingdom of heaven. They will even sit down to dine with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now many Jews at this time, unfortunately, they thought that the Gentiles could not be saved that there's no hope of salvation for them. And it would be shocking for uh, the people in Capernaum to hear Jesus say this. But he went on to say that some of the Jews will be thrown into outer darkness, but also that there will be those who are going to be saved. Uh, being a, a Jewish descent is no guarantee that you're going to be into the kingdom is what he's saying. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness. And, and that would floor them. They had forgotten about the prophecies of Jeremiah, the prophecies of Isaiah that said that light will come to the Gentiles. And then in verse 13, then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done to you. And his servant was healed that same hour. In verse 14, now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with the fever. So he touched her, and the fever left her, and she arose and served them. So we know from Luke and Mark that also records this healing, that here's Peter and Jesus. They're coming back from the synagogue. They're coming back from church. It's interesting, Peter's mother-in-law, which tells us that Peter was married. And she has a fever. And they come back from church, and she has a fever, and he touches her, and the fever left her, and she arose and served them. Now, first of all, when I think about this, I think, I wonder what Peter's wife was like. She had to be a very, very special woman. Can you imagine how her life changed? All of a sudden, she's got this, you know, quiet life, perhaps, as I picture it, nestled in this very beautiful place, the Sea of Galilee. Her husband is a fisherman. And all of a sudden, he comes home one day and he says, Honey, I met this itinerant preacher. A miracle happened. And now I'm going to be a fisher of men. I wonder what her response was. Oh, that's very nice, honey. You know, can you take the trash out? You know, she had no idea what was about to happen. And all of a sudden, huge crowds are coming into Peter's house. I think that some of these miracles that when it says that that Jesus was in the house, that very well could have been Peter's house. And all these people are around and Peter is walking on water all of a sudden and things like that. Her whole life would change as well. And matter of fact, it gives us indication, as Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, that Peter's wife traveled with Peter. That he said, you know, is it, um, you know, don't we have the right, me and Barnabas, uh, to uh, be supported? Don't we uh, have the right as, as Cephas and the other apostles travel with their wife? So she traveled with him. And also what tradition tells us is that she was martyred along with Peter. So I can't wait to meet her. 
in heaven. If we have a chance to talk and say, what was it like having Peter as a husband? You know, when he came home and your life was overturned. But it really, listen, tells us the importance of this. That any of us that are involved in ministry or serve in any way, how we need the support of our spouse. Their prayer, their support, their encouragement. And here comes Jesus. He comes from church. He goes to Peter's home. There's fever that is there in his mother-in-law and touches her and heal her. Listen, I know it's getting hot, so I'm going to finish up here. I want to give you something that is very important for us to realize and to understand and to apply in our life. When you guys leave here, it's hot. But some of you are going to leave and you're going to go home and there's feverish activity at home. There's challenges, there's problems, there's difficulty. So I want to encourage you in this. Take Jesus with you. Don't just leave him here. You carry on and you take Jesus with you. And you take him home and you be in prayer and you look to him and you trust in him and you rest in his love. Whatever feverish activity is going on. And allow him to do that healing and that work that he wants to do in your life and in your family and in your home because here's the truth he cares about you and he cares about your family he cares about your kids your grandkids your spouse whoever is in that home whatever is going on take jesus home with you all right don't leave him here carry on and allow him to work in every situation in every way and every day so father we thank you we thank you for this time in your word we thank you that we can be here just to, to be encouraged in your word and just as you brought healing and demonstrate your power that lord you're the same yesterday today and forever so i want to pray for everyone that is here and those who are listening online and those in the sanctuary and in the coffee shop that lord that we would know that the word of god is true for us and we can have trust in it and faith. And Lord, there are times where we falter in faith. But Lord, help our unbelief. And stir our hearts to know that your word is true for us. And that we can cast our cares on you because you care for us. And Lord, I do pray that, that we have the substance of things hoped for. That we have the hope of heaven, forgiveness of sin because we have put our faith in the person of Jesus Christ, in his atoning work on the cross, in his resurrection from the grave. And I pray if there's anyone here that you've never put your trust in him, you see, it isn't going to church, it isn't trying to be a good person that brings salvation, it is trusting in Jesus Christ as he made atonement for your sins and he rose again from the grave to be your Lord and Savior to have him sit upon the throne of your life, to ask him into your heart. And anyone who comes sincerely and cries out to him, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means anything to anyone who's listening here today. Will you do that? You can pray, Jesus, I come to you, and I ask that you forgive me my sins. You're my salvation. That you would, Lord, sit upon the throne of my life as my personal Lord and Savior. I know you died for my sins. Forgive me. You rose again. And I thank you for this new beginning. And here in my prayer, I put my faith and trust in you. 
and in the cross of Calvary and in the empty tomb, knowing that you conquered sin and death. So I pray that you would just help me to walk with you and to know you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. And for all of us, as we leave here where it's hot and we go home, spiritually, situations, circumstances, the feverish, hot activities that are going on in our lives, that we would entrust them to you, for you to touch, for you to bless, for you to work, as you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you care about us. May we take you home with us, always with us, at work, whatever is in our lives before us. I thank you for everyone here. Just bless our week coming up, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Are we going to close in a song, Jesse? No, we're not. We're going to go ahead because it is hot and dismiss you. Hey, um, real quick, Wednesday, Book of Jeremiah's online services. You don't want to miss that study. We're getting into the section of consolation that is very, very encouraging. And then also, if you need prayer, if anyone made a decision for Jesus, I'll be up here on the platform on the deck. Or if you need prayer, please come up and receive prayer. God bless you guys. Those of you who have the black folding chairs from church, just leave them because they're going to come by and clean them and they'll take care of it and everything. God bless you guys. Good to see you. Have a great week.